This is The Art of Being You, and I'm Rachel Wortman. This podcast brings you inspiration, insights, and practical tools to help you become more like Jesus. Get ready to embrace who God has created you to be. I've got a great episode in store for you today, so without further ado, here is The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to the art of being you. I am really thankful to have you here today. And I know I say that all of the time, but honestly, it's the truth. I really appreciate you guys taking time to listen to the podcast. And honestly, if you weren't listening, if people weren't listening, I would not continue to put out episodes. So it means the world. And, you know, virtual high five to all of you guys who share this with friends when something inspires you and you, you know, share that with a friend or a family member. It means genuinely means so much to me. Um, But I made a mistake with you guys last week and I'm really frustrated about it and I want to correct that mistake today. So I announced something last week that is actually inaccurate and let me give you a quick backstory as to why. So over this course of this year, 2022, I've been hearing the Lord kind of whisper some things about something new we're going to be launching this fall and I had been, you know, not really sure what he was saying. I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that where you're going, I know the Lord's leading me into something, but I don't know the fullness of what it's going to be. And so a couple of months ago, I sort of landed on, I think I know what it is. And I think it's going to be that Phoebe and Friends, my women in ministry mentoring group, we're going to open that up to all women. And about around the time that I announced it on the podcast when I recorded these episodes, um, I started feeling like that was not correct, like I was missing something. And long story short, eventually came to the realization that what God was inviting me into was not to open Phoebe and Friends up to all women, but to actually open a co-ed group, co-leading it with my husband for men and women. And so I thought I had gotten the Phoebe and Friends announcement off of all of the episodes that went live and I missed one last week. So you guys have my sincerest apologies on that. Uh, I was not intending on that going out at all. And so because I already kind of put it out there, I'll explain what we're going to do. And then there will be some new announcements uh, in the coming weeks about what it's going to actually become. But instead of this group becoming something for all women, it's going to be open to all people, to adults in general. And what Grant and I are really excited about doing is gathering those who want to build the kingdom of God, who want to, um, you know, make an impact where they are, who want to be people living their lives purposefully, building legacy, uh, really, you know, wanting to make an impact. And we want to gather as many people like that that we can find and do whatever we can to equip you and challenge you and grow you to do more of what God has already called you to do. So honestly, the phrase that's been in my mind for a while is equipping the saints to do the work of their ministry. And, you know, a lot of us kind of think about equipping the saints to do the work of ministry as if there's one way to minister to the Lord. And that's just not accurate biblically. So we're really excited about this group, but it's really premature to announce it to you guys. Uh, we're going to take the month of September and finalize all of the details. And so I'm sorry about last week if you were super excited about 
about Phoebe and Friends being open for just women. Um, it is still open for all the same type of women, but there will also be men in the group as well. So I really hope that you uh, get on the email list and stay excited about it. I don't know what we're calling it yet. We have a couple names, um, but none of them are nailed down. So yeah, that'll be coming in the coming weeks. So, um, you know, foot and mouth or whatever you call when you do something super embarrassing you didn't mean to do. And I guess we're all going to be a little closer now. So today I want to talk about a topic that has been really instrumental in my life in terms of uh, one of the biggest places of breakthrough for me. And I'm hoping it will be that for you. Now, I'm not suggesting the next 15 minutes of this podcast is going to change your life. I mean, it might. God does crazy things. But I'm suggesting that we're going to plant some seeds that if you will tend and water to them, you actually can have a huge harvest of breakthrough in your life. We're going to talk about jealousy. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I was in college, I was so confused about jealousy. I knew I was jealous at times, but it felt awkward and kind of wrong to admit that. Like, oh, it's not jealousy. It's just an idea or it's just, you know, something that would be cool to have. I never liked the term jealousy because it felt negative and um, like embarrassing to me. And then I would also read the Bible where it would say things like God is a jealous God. And I'm thinking, okay, well, we're made in God's image. God is a jealous God. I feel jealous, but it's not okay for me to be jealous, but it is okay for God. And I would kind of get stalled out in that. And I didn't really know where to go. Well, anytime there's a lack of clarity, the confusion allows for um, a lot of dark things to grow. Am I saying that jealousy is dark? Well, yeah, actually I am. Here's what I know to be true at this point in my life. The more jealousy that you allow to run rampant in your life, the harder it is to connect with God and his true nature for you and the harder it is to embrace your identity. And since this podcast is all about becoming the best version of yourself, which is the one that's the most like Jesus, well, then we've got to take a look at jealousy. If you follow me on Instagram, a while back I made a post and it said this. It said, uh, there's a difference between godly jealousy and fleshly jealousy. And here's the main difference. When we're jealous, when we have a godly part of jealousy inside of us, the, the phrase or the feeling is, hey, this thing belongs to God. This glory, this honor, this worship, this belongs to God, not to wherever we spot it in the world. When God is jealous, God is jealous for his, um, for his people to worship him in more fullness and in more purity. When we see in the Bible, you know, where it talks about God as a jealous God, it's talking about God craving a connection with you that is un, um, unfiltered, that is unbridled. He wants a connection with you that's not tainted by, you know, the other things that are also clamoring for your attention. The jealousy of the flesh kind of looks at something and says, hey, that's mine. I want that for myself. And when we think about it in these terms, we can start to understand why Galatians 5 calls jealousy a fruit of the flesh, meaning it's a sin. It's actually a sin. And I don't know very many people who you know are actually talking about the sin of jealousy. I know for me, whether I thought it was a sin or not, I treated it like something really embarrassing that you would never want to say out loud. So let's talk for a minute today about three tips to becoming less jealous, to stop being jealous. Why? Well, here's what I know to be true. Jealousy is a byproduct of another root issue going on inside of yourself. When you are feeling lack, 
when you are feeling like you don't have something that God has promised for you, that can create a vacuum effect where jealousy is a great um, counterfeit healing measure, right? That we become jealous of other people. In like, like, let me put it like this: in the charismatic world, it's really common to become jealous of somebody else's like gifting or anointing, and I think this is crazy. And here's why. God gives gifts freely, right? Nobody earned the gifting or the anointing that's on their life. If somebody has a, a, a really strong prophetic anointing or a really strong healing anointing, and you know it's amazing to watch God use them in that way, but their character sucks, for example. And if you've been around the church long enough, you probably know a few people like this, that they have this gifting that's not, their character can't support. And so we can be wowed by these like, you know, miracles and things that God does through them, but also disgusted at the person. And when we elevate people by honoring their gifting, we create this world where jealousy runs rampant because we start to say, well, I want to be honored. And so I must, you know, need a gifting like, you know, healing or, or prophecy or whatever, something that's outward that other people can see. I want a gifting like that so that I can be honored. And, and why does that happen? Well, because we are lacking a piece of our identity. We're lacking something inside of us that feels whole, that feels loved, maybe a part of us that doesn't feel accepted by God. And so we're looking as though the giftings that God gives freely is some sort of mark of, you know, acceptance on their life. In my personal opinion, I think in the church world, we should not elevate people with gifting. We should elevate people with character. And the one-two punch in the kingdom really is character and gifting together, right? When you've got both of those, you're really unstoppable. Yes, we want to honor when somebody gives a gifting. Like, yeah, that's amazing that they're doing that. But when we elevate that as though that person did something to earn that gifting, we just create this really wonky dynamic in the church as a whole. And I'm a much bigger proponent of honoring people for their character, for their integrity, for the purity that's in their life, because those are things we can actually practically attain on our own, right? With our own measure, with our own willpower, we can accomplish those things. And those are the things that we should be honoring because it doesn't require, it, it eliminates jealousy in that way, right? We're not looking at somebody and saying, oh, I'm so jealous of your maturity. We all understand that they they worked hard for that. They worked hard to be an integrous person. They, they, you know, they had effort involved in that. So jealousy can be such a robber uh, of your life. It can be a robber of your mental health. It can be um, a real thief of your peace. And it's not good. So let's talk about this. Three, three tips to stop being jealous if you find yourself uh, feeling jealous from time to time or chronically jealous of people. Number one, and this one, you guys, this is like the most practical that I can be. This is going to blow your mind. Are you ready? Number one, admit that you're jealous. Okay. I know some of you guys might have to be like pulling the car over. This is so profound and <laughs> I'm semi kidding, but here's the truth. You need to admit that you actually are feeling jealous as with any acceptable sin. And what do I mean by acceptable sin? Well, in America, in this day and age, we, we tolerate a lot of stuff. We tolerate anger, um, and anger is not a sin in itself, but we tolerate when somebody is, you know, flying off the handle, losing their self-control, anger, rage, because we know they're having a bad day. Um, we tolerate jealousy because, you know, we get it right. We, we get it. You're feeling like you, like you're left out or whatever. 
And when we do that and we tolerate that, we actually reframe the truth into something a little less bad. For example, let's talk about anger because this might help drive this home. When you hate someone, but you don't admit that you hate them, you just say, oh, I'm frustrated with them. Oh, they frustrate me. When we talk about frustrate, we don't feel like we need to confess that, right? Because there's no, there's no statement in the Bible that talks about how you shouldn't be frustrated with somebody. But there is truth in the Bible about not hating people. So what do we do? Well, we mask hate as frustration so that we don't have to confess it and we can pretend like it's not that bad. We do this with jealousy as well. We mask jealousy as something else. We mask envy as something else because we know the Bible calls that out by name and we don't want to believe that we're doing something that needs to be confessed. But here's the truth. If you want to break through from being jealous and envy, envious and the truth is rejection, feeling chronically rejected is usually hand in hand with jealousy and envy. If you want to get breakthrough in that, what's the first thing you have to do? You have to admit that that's what's going on. And it looks a little something like this. I'm jealous of this person for this reason, or I'm jealous of that for this reason. Get yourself specific. It will help you so much. Why? Well, you need to engage your logical side of your brain so that you can think about what you wish you had and why. Just think about it. Why do you want that thing? So for me, years ago, I used to go into charismatic meetings and think, oh my gosh, I wish I could be somebody up on that stage who's giving all these prophetic words. Why? Well, when I stopped to actually think about it, it's because I felt somewhere deep inside of me that if I had some sort of a gifting like that, I would be loved and celebrated and accepted and the longing inside of my heart that felt like I was not significant and I wasn't doing anything important in the world would maybe go away. But here's what we do as human beings. We step into self-preservation where we know those are not thoughts that we want. And so we try to hide our, hide it from ourselves. And in doing the hiding, what ends up happening is we, we don't actually think about why we feel that jealousy. So step one is admit that you're jealous and actually engage your logical mind to think about why do you want that thing? What will that thing fix inside of you if you had it? The truth is it usually won't fix whatever it is that you wish you had. But here's what happens when we begin to engage logically, then we can make a plan of action, right? So you can ask yourself, well, in what ways can I pursue blank right now? What can I pursue right now? Maybe you're saying, I wish I had more money because, you know, or a better job because I would ha not have to worry about, you know, retirement. I don't know. I'm making this up and it's not a very good example. But when you have something like that, stop and think about it and then make a plan. Is there something I can do right now to take action towards getting the thing that I think will help me instead of just sitting in a jealous place? Jealousy is passive. It's a passive um, a thief, really. So you're, you're not motivated to do anything. You're just motivated to be angry, which actually robs you from getting the thing that you probably want and need. So number one, we're going to admit, we're going to confess it. We're going to call a spade a spade. Number two, the second thing you're going to do is you're going to recognize jealousy as a sin. Recognize that it is a sin. Galatians 5, it's a fruit of the flesh. So if you've been around this podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about this before. There are two kingdoms in the world. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And everything is from 
one of those two. So when God himself, through the letter to the Galatians church, says, how do you know if you're walking in the flesh or the kingdom of darkness? You're going to have jealousy and envy abounding in your life. That's what Galatians 5 says, the Rachel version. I'm paraphrasing it, of course. But jealousy and envy get born when we are living from something other than the kingdom of God. So if you've read my new book, Goodness Culture, you've, you've, you're familiar with this concept. I am a genuine believer in looking at sin and trying to identify what hole is this sin filling inside of me? Why do I want to have this sin? And then work to fill that hole with the kingdom of God, fill that hole in Jesus. So when you're talking about jealousy, try to look inwardly, right? Engage the logical mind again and, and ask the Holy Spirit to show you why does this jealousy, does this jealous thing like feel good? What is it causing in me that feels better than facing what I don't have? And maybe if I could admit what I don't have, I could actually step into it by receiving it in the kingdom. Let's go back to the analogy I used about myself. So here I am feeling sorry for myself, feeling rejected by God, feeling like everybody else is special except me, and really longing for something spectacular that would make me feel special without realizing that in Christ Jesus, I can receive from him the acceptance that I'm longing for. I don't need an anointing to feel loved and cared for and, lo and accepted by God. Neither do you. We don't need a spectacular gifting or a world-class talent or an amazing this or that. All we need is to open our heart and let Jesus be Jesus for us, where we are accepting him as he is and letting him take us as we are. So we're going to admit that we're jealous. We're going to recognize that it's a sin, which is going to include confessing to the Lord and to maybe a trusted friend. When you confess something Something happens mentally, I think. Something happens like spiritually too, where we say to the Lord, I recognize I've been doing something wrong. Are you familiar with like repentance as not just saying I'm sorry, but actually turning, right? The, the correct translation of the word repentance in the New Testament is actually turning and doing something different. So when I confess to the Lord, I mean it. I know that I'm going to have to turn and do something different and try something, you know, new, try a new way. And uh, recognizing and confessing sin is a great step to that. So number three, the last, the last tip for stopping jealousy happening in our life. Number three is reframe the narrative and then decide how you want to proceed. You got to reframe the narrative. So if we're going back to this example I've been sharing with you, what did I do? Well, I actually started getting honest with myself that I was experiencing jealousy and I was in my jealousy, blinding myself to the things that God had put inside of me that are unique and special. And because I couldn't see that because I so badly wanted, you know, approval from external voices to recognize something, you know what I mean? Like, it's just such a rat race. It's a, it's. It's exhausting when we're wanting somebody else to validate something that we don't even have because we're hoping we could have it so that God might feel like we're special. That whole rat race is so from the enemy. And look, I know some of you guys listening to this are probably coming to this realization for the first time, but I cannot implore you enough to recognize that the enemy wants you focused on everything but God's grace and his goodness. Because it's in his grace and in his presence that he fills every need that we have. 
So what do we do? Well, we start to reframe the narrative that we feel and decide what we're going to do. For example, if I want to be prophetic, well, am I practicing being prophetic? Am I even trying? Am I giving people prophetic words? No. Then maybe I should pick something else, right? Maybe I should let that go. Reframe the narrative and then make a plan for what you're going to do. For me, I love to turn that pain into a place of prayer, turn my lack into an opportunity to encounter God. When I say to the Lord, God, I feel like I'm not very special. I feel like nobody sees me. I feel like, you know, nothing I do makes a difference. Then I don't just just vomit onto the Lord with all of my words and then close the journal and walk away. No, I bring it to him and then I sit there and I let him respond to me. God, what do you want to say to me? How can you, I, I need help, Lord. How can you help me step forward? It's such a powerful thing to do that will set you up. Am I promising that every time you ask the Lord, he's going to speak something profound to you? No, it doesn't work like that. But when we humble ourselves and when we present ourselves to the Lord, I tell you what, he will come through time and time again, and he will grow you from that place. So I know there's a lot more we could explore in jealousy and in envy. And ultimately what I'm hoping is that you feel stirred and encouraged to pursue Jesus and to be honest with the Lord, maybe for the first time. And I'm telling you, this is my guarantee. The Lord says, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. And what that means is if you want to be free, you will get free. You might have to fight for it. You might have to practice freedom. You might have to fail a couple times. But if you will set your eyes on Jesus, he will He will send the angels of the Lord and the Holy Spirit to encourage you and comfort you and help you step into all the things he's promised because he's just that good. Until next time, be blessed. You've just listened to another episode of The Art of Being You. My goal is to empower you to embrace the goodness of God over your life and step into that abundant life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And did I mention that I'd love to connect with you? Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Rachel Wartman and on TikTok at The Rachel Wartman. You can find more resources, including my books and other teachings at rachelwartman.com.